Hey everyone, this is Alex Crisofoli uh, welcoming you to episode 81 of the Chirps podcast. Tara Wellman is not with us this week, but I am joined by Ben Godar of Viva Albertos. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on, especially on this day of actual like breaking baseball news. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm wearing my uh, Chris Carpenter shirtsy that I bought in St. Louis on the morning of Game Seven in 2011. So I, I'm ready to do some podcasting. Uh, oh man, nice. yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess I should mention we are we are speaking on Tuesday evening at nine o'clock Eastern time. And I'm only bringing that up because of how fluid this whole situation has been. Given when you hear this tomorrow, who knows if what we say tonight will be dated, but I just wanted to, uh, to let that be known right off the bat. Uh, Ben, I haven't talked to you since all of this went down, at least talked to you on the podcast. Right. And I'm curious, what have you been doing in the meantime, if anything, to uh, get your baseball fix? Oh, well, um, I've been doing a couple things. Uh, I, uh, I have actually been doing a, a fair amount of reading, especially kind of earlier on in the whole sort of quarantine thing. And, uh, you know, like the, you know, the public libraries and everything was closed. So I, I did the thing where I actually had to read some of the books that I own and have been in my house for, <laughs> you know, five, 10 years that I've never actually picked up and read. So, uh, and, and since there was no baseball, I, I was compelled to read baseball books as opposed to anything else. So I did read uh, The Big Fella by Jane Levy, um, which everyone has raved about and rightly so. It's an amazing, amazing book about Babe Ruth and kind of just mm-hmm. the manufacturing of his uh, uh, image and everything. Um, and then I'm actually uh, about halfway through October 1964 by David Halberstam. Um, you know, kind of have you have you read that one by chance? I have. Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, I've owned it for quite a while, never got around to reading it and really enjoying it so far. I actually read that book when I was at Viva Alberto's and Heather Simon started the book club and that was the book assigned. And I believe I was the only one who actually read it. Oh yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but I, th- that is actually one of my favorite books. It started off slow for me. And by yeah. the end of it, I was just mesmerized almost by what I'm re- by what I was reading. I am a, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I really just enjoyed like the individual profiles. Like the chapter on Lou Brock was abs- was just excellent. I don't oh, know if yeah. you're there yet. I don't remember quite because it jumps around so much from team to team and stuff. Yeah. I'm finishing right now the book about Ty Cobb, a, a Terrible Beauty. Have you read this one by Charles Learson? No, but th- this is kind of the the re- revised story of Ty Cobb uh, that's more more accurate, right? Yeah. It so. Here's what I've gathered about Ty Cobb, uh, um, stipulating that this book is correct. And he seems to be, this book seems to be sourced very well, whereas some of the other, uh, I guess, prior points of reference on Ty Cobb are not. Right. It seems as though Ty Cobb was a huge jerk. I don't think that's that's up for debate. He seemed willing to fight pretty quickly. But a lot of the other ugly things that we heard about Ty Cobb, whether it was from that Tommy Lee Jones movie. Um, and a lot of that stuff was regurgitated in Ken Burns, documentary about baseball, uh, talking about just the, the awful racism, uh, some, mm-hmm. and some of the other things doesn't really sound like it was true, or at least not based on anything more than 
a tale that got told over and over again. And by the time, you know, it's 50 years later, the, the story has grown so much that it no longer even close to, to uh, resembles reality. So I got to say, I've, I've grown to feel very bad for Ty Cobb reading this book. I mean, I know he's been dead for a long time, right. but that's quite a disservice. Um, certainly after I'm dead, I wouldn't want my legacy to be the complete opposite or at least very much tarnished from what it actually was. Yeah, and I know there was a previous biography of him that had been kind of the definitive biography that I I know has been largely discredited as well. So uh, I, I've heard that book is very good, but I have not read that one myself. It is good. I, I recommend it. I'm almost done. So um, yeah, if you want to pick it up, let me know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the other book that was discredited, I think, is the one by Al Stump, which this yes, writer right. just it's constantly taking shots at that book and nice. showing how it really wasn't. Um, <laughs> really was not for whatever reason not sourced very well yeah uh, yeah but yeah so i've been uh, i've been reading um i have picked up uh super mega baseball which is a oh, really wow. fun uh baseball video game uh that's on a whole bunch of different consoles um very arcadey look but actually plays really really smoothly and uh just a lot of fun and uh the other thing that i've been doing is uh, i've been drinking and i've been yeah, drinking quite yeah. a bit uh, so we, uh, last year, uh, we, uh, my wife and I purchased a kegerator for our anniversary. And, uh, so since we went into quarantine, it was taking us about a month to go through a keg and we're, uh, we're down to more like two to three weeks. So, um, you know, that was a little bit of a wake up call too, as we were, uh, <laughs> the, the speed yeah. at which we were re- refilling, refilling the kegs. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it for me outside of reading. What, uh, what have you been up to? Well, first, I wanted to ask you if you can refresh my memory. What anniversary is the kegerator gift? I don't, I don't remember. Is that, is that, is that... Yeah. Well, for us, it was uh, seventeen actually, okay, and I believe, wow. yeah. So, congratulations. Um, no, that's I. I have noticed the exact same thing about about myself as well that I had to take a step back, and be like, huh, you know, I don't need to drink a beer for absolutely no reason uh, every day. Uh, so, I, right. I totally understand where you're coming from there. I have been. Let's see. Mostly reading, I would say. I've been reading that book, and I'm going to read Ball Four next because I'm kind of embarrassed that I've actually never read Ball Four. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I felt like I had to read it because he, he passed away. Uh, what Jim Bouton passed away? What last year? I, I have. Yeah. That's the name of the book, right? Yeah, I have it yeah, sitting on my yeah. Draft. And and that is one that I mean, it's as good as everyone says it is. It's it's fantastic. Good, good. I'm like you. I have several books on my shelf. Some of them have been there for several years that have been waiting to be read. And so that's, uh, that's what I'm getting done. I've also, uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, filling the void by being mad at the owners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a good activity to do while there's no baseball. And I think it's a good activity while there's baseball even, uh, you know, we'll get to practice that soon, hopefully. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I, it's, I'll tell you, I I made a realization the other day that I've gotten a lot of things done. Now, not necessarily worthwhile things. I've watched a lot of movies um, (laughs) during times when I would normally be watching baseball games. I mean, we are are at what, June 20, what's today? June 23rd, June 20, yeah, June 23rd. So we already would have been near what? Close to... Close to the halfway point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and so just think of all that time 
that has not been spent in front of the yeah. television watching baseball, I guess I've filled it doing other things. But now it sounds like we might actually have some baseball. Um, again, this news is, is constantly changing, but I, I just saw a tweet from the MLBPA that made it sound like the players will be reporting to camp uh, very soon um, to begin this 60-day season that was, I'm sorry, 60-game season that was mandated by Manfred, um, Commissioner Manfred, not that long ago. And I believe it's going to start July 29th. That sounds right. I think that's the date I've seen. Um, or maybe it was 24th. I don't remember. In, end of July for sure. Well, first, before I want to like, we're going to just make assumptions. Um, and obviously, we only want baseball if it's safe. I think we can all agree with that. I don't think there's anyone out there who wants players putting themselves in danger. So as we talk about this, we're all stipulating and assuming that, you know, if games are being played, you know, it, it's going to be safe and and nothing bad will happen. Although I'm sure, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the first positive tests come in, because they will come in um, yeah. what the plan is in place. But all of that said, what are your thoughts on this? Like, like I've never even grappled with the idea of such a short season. I, I it's in one way, much better to me than what the NBA has going for it right now, which is they were almost near the end of their season. And then they had to stop play for four, four and a half months, five months, which is basically tantamount to their off season. And then I suppose are going to resume playing a season that seemed like it's was over a long time ago. At least baseball can start from game one. So it does have that going for it, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm I'm pretty much uh, you know happy about it. Uh, I don't really have a lot of. I mean, obviously the, the you know the health and safety concerns and 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 you know are are of course there, but uh, I'm just really excited for there to be baseball. And I think one thing this has kind of helped me realize or understand is that I mean I'm I'm a fan of baseball and uh, even beyond just. Major League Baseball. You know, I just like to see baseball being played. And uh, I, I wrote a week or two ago at, at VEB, I wrote a post kind of about this because I, I guess something that was kind of starting to rub me the wrong way. I'd seen a, a lot on Twitter and even some kind of national writers kind of, you know, starting to say things like, well, if this is if it's the season's only going to be X number of games long, they shouldn't play it at all. Or, well, if they can only do it this way, you know, they shouldn't play it at all. And I, I just really cannot get on board with that kind of sentiment to me. That was just very much like everything needs to be perfect or I don't want it at all, you know? <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm excited that there's going to be, you know, that there's going to be baseball and there's going to be a baseball season. And, um, you know, it's, is it going to be the standard 162 game season that we've, uh, you know, we're used to seeing? No, it's not, but it's still going to be baseball. And and really, I, I think it's almost going to be more interesting for the fact that it's going to be just such a, you know, unicorn of a season. Right. It's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how differently, again, assuming, assuming the, uh, the season happens and I'm going to stop saying that now because of right. course we're, we're all assuming that, but right. it's going to be interesting as I'm watching a game to see if I'm weighing it differently than I normally would when we're talking about 162 games, because obviously a loss during a 60 game season means a lot more than a loss during a 162 game season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And, and so it, it's, I think little things like that will really make it interesting. I'm trying to uh, shift my brain into convincing myself that the 60 game feature and the quirks that will come with it will be a feature and not a bug to just sort of embrace it because mm-hmm. hopefully we won't have to do this ever again. But I will say, I don't know if, I don't know if it's because I've been beaten down by just the negotiating back and forth and the, what felt like stalling by the owners. So they wouldn't have to, you know, pay a, a full salary over, you know, a certain number of games. I, I'm definitely, I don't feel like I'm going to be as excited come July 29th or whatever it is, as I would normally be on April 1st or whenever opening day is. But that said, yeah, this is nothing but good news if, if this is able to happen. Yeah. And I, I really think I will be, uh, as excited. I think I might even be more excited, you know? Um, I mean, it, I always look forward to opening day, but it's also always there. And it was not there this year and it was in question and, and obviously still is in question, but, you know, assuming it happens, it almost feels like, you know, an unexpected, you know, it's, it's like, you know, Santa showed up, you know, March 16th, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's right. kind of something, you know, <laughs> something unexpected there. And I, I think about, uh, I mean, I, I watch, uh, soccer and so, uh, you know, within the last week watching premier league soccer start again, that's been wonderful to watch that. And it has quickly been not weird just because you're watching and Hey, they're playing soccer, you know? Um, we uh so here in Iowa they they are uh we do have like youth baseball and high school baseball that's that's happening and so um we uh started very late we started June 15th and we're only going to go until August 1st and there's a, a number of precautions and things that are being done differently in terms of what we're doing at the ballpark and all that but I'm I'm coaching my son's little league teams and and you know that's been really a lot of fun and you're it's it's there's a lot of weirdness kind of leading up to it and around it but then kind of once you're playing it's like oh hey we're we're actually playing baseball and it's uh you know it's nice so i i i'm kind of expecting the the same reaction on uh you know july whatever when the when they start the you know have an, an opening day of the major league season yeah i i am also curious about i mean you can't have a bench clearing brawl during this pandemic, right? <laughs> it just can't happen. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you're all sitting with each other in the dugout, I guess uh, rolling around in the grass might not be too different, but it just seems, uh, I wonder if there are going to be, uh, you know, well, I mean, directors that you, you yeah. better have a good reason to rush them out if, if you're going to do that or. I mean, getting in a fist fight was never a healthy choice. So, <laughs> I mean, it's question. I mean, is it? I suppose it's somewhat less healthy now, but uh, you know, I don't know. So yeah, I I have a broken nose, but I tested negative for uh, right. COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, a- another thing I read is that the players will be frequently tested, which is uh, certainly a good idea. Yeah. But from what I understand about, and I-, I haven't been tested yet. I'm actually supposed to get tested soon. It doesn't seem like a pleasant experience. I mean, it- it's not. It's nothing bad. It just doesn't right. look like a fun thing to do. And I'm curious how the players are going to react to every couple of days having to have that thing shoved up their nose. Right. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think they'll probably get, you know, 
I, I don't think anybody will say I'm not playing because I don't want to get the thing shoved up my nose. So I feel like that'll just be kind of one of those things. And, and I, you know, when it comes to the health stuff, um, uh, I mean, it's certainly not that I'm unconcerned about it, but I'm not more concerned about baseball than I am about every other aspect of our life. You know what I mean? And so right. I was a little like, I know a couple of days ago it came out, oh, there were some you know, folks tested positive at the the Phillies camp and another camp down in Florida. And I saw some people online who were, oh my goodness, you know, and I just thought like who, who out there works in a, or, you know, is part of a large organization that hasn't had some people test positive at some point. It's just, that's just what's, that's just the reality in the world right now. And, um, you know, in terms of people that are anybody who's like starting to go back into an office or, a you know, certainly grocery stores or places like that, that have been open forever. I mean, there's, there's new policies and protocols, you know, everywhere. And it's definitely a pain in the ass and unpleasant, but, um, but it's just kind of the reality now. So, so, I mean, to that extent, I guess I'm not the health and safety stuff in baseball. I, I don't feel like I'm more concerned about that than I am about, you know, just pretty much anybody. Yeah, I, I think because I've thought about this too. I I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that this is a novel virus, and we're still trying to figure out how to react when we hear the news that so and so has tested positive or uh, this person has it. Because we, I'm speaking solely for myself here. We really know so little about it, even still. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so I, I think, yeah, it's. It's just like the public trying to figure out like, okay, um, oh my gosh, like all these people tested positive. And then you sit back, okay, so what does that mean? And then everyone's like, well, I don't quite know, you know, because right. maybe maybe everyone around me, a lot of people tested positive as well. And we just don't, or would test positive if they were tested. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. Um, but let's actually talk about what, baseball might look like for 60 games as as i understand it 40 games in division so that would be 10 games against uh the other the the other four teams in the division and then an additional 20 games against the other interleague regional division so 20 games against the al central so that would be five games white Sox, five games royals and so on so so no games against teams like the Mets, no games against teams like the Dodgers. Uh, as uh, Tara mentioned when we talked uh, a week or two ago, we don't have to stay up late to watch those West Coast games. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also have some like rule changes, and I'm still a little uncertain on some of them, but there has been talk, as there's been talk for years now, that the DH could, they could use this as a way to shoehorn the DH into the National League. You and I are both anti-DH guys. Um, if, if they do have the DH this year, I mean, wh- what can he even do at this point? It sounds like it's coming eventually, although, uh, as people have said, they've also been saying that for a while now, and they've been able to stave it off. But Yeah, and I'm, I, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter here for the latest, and I see uh, 11 minutes ago Bob Nightingale tweeted there will be a DH in the National League, uh, so oh, wow. we can confirm that there will not be a DH in the National League based on that. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm anti DH and, you know, and, and, uh, but I, I understand that it just seems like the preponderance of people want it to happen and, and especially the people kind of in power. So, um, you know, the only thing is, I think when they were, that'll be interesting is when they were talking about making a, a deal, 
you know, had they agreed to a deal, it probably would have implemented it for this year and next year. But because this is, uh, you know, the commissioner is kind of imposing this season, seems like this is maybe one of those things that might be negotiated for this season, but might go back to, you know, no DH next year. Although the following year with a new CBA having to be negotiated, I mean, I think you have to expect that it would kind of stick around after that. So, right. Uh, no expanded playoffs. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a great thing because I, agree. I, I, I've heard other people say this. And I totally agree that that's the one thing uh, because I know there's 10 teams that make the playoffs, but really it's eight because, uh, you know, once you get rid of that wild card game, there's really just, you, you know, eight teams left. And um, mm-hmm. it, it didn't really feel like that big of expansion from when there really were just the one wild card team from each league, I think is what I'm saying. Um, but- Agreed. And I, I'm, I'm actually kind of a fan of the, the wild card playing game just because. It, 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 you know, before the, if you qualified as a wild card, you went straight into division series, you know, just like a team that won 105 games. So right. I, I, I do like that it kind of penalizes, you know, you for being a wild card qualifier. You have to get through that coin flip game to kind of get into the, the full playoffs, if you will. No, I totally agree. And I, I couldn't help but notice you said, just like a team that won 105 games, are you hearkening back to the 04 World Series when, uh, a 105 win Cardinals team lost to a stupid wild card team, uh, the Red Sox. And I think I've been bitter about the whole notion <laughs> of a wild card having exactly what you just said, being able to waltz right into the playoffs uh, as if they won the division. Um, so I agree. Like I, I li- kind of like the play in game. I like the fact that it one penalizes the wild card teams for not winning the division, not just for the sheer fact that they have to play this annoying game, but it also might screw up their rotation for the next series, uh, right. you know, given how that can sometimes play out. So, no, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, but had they or if they ever, you know, expand to, I guess it'd be 12 teams or 16 teams, oh, my gosh. Like, I think that really would sort of shake my fandom in terms of following the sport from March until through September. Uh yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I don't want to see it happen for sure. I mean, I do. I enjoy baseball so much. I enjoy the daily ritual of it. I mean, I'm I'm probably just in the bag and I'm going to watch it even without that. But it will completely devalue that. And I'm not nearly as big a fan of the NBA, but I got to be honest, I have zero interest really in watching an NBA regular season game for that reason, because mm-hmm. it just feels like, you know, who you know, well, I mean, it, I mean, it's, you know, if there's nothing on or something, it's like, oh, I'm can enjoy some athleticism, but uh, you know, any NBA regular season game to me doesn't feel particularly meaningful, and so I definitely don't want to see baseball continue in that direction. But I know that's where the owners want to go. I know there's a lot of money in those postseason series, and so I expect kind of in that next CBA there will be an expansion uh, of playoffs. There's also been some talk about adding two teams and. Uh, I guess I almost hope those things would happen together if they're if they're both inevitable, because at least if you added teams as well, you wouldn't be diluting it quite as much. But, um, you know, I can't to me, I don't I I wouldn't think the players would really want to see that, because um, if, if you expanded the playoffs much, I just wouldn't see much need as an owner to, you know, really go out and spend on that like premium free agent talent. Um, just knowing what we know about the degree to which the playoffs are a bit arbitrary once you get there, you know, I mean, you could be a, 
you know, just a, a pretty good team and have, you know, be reasonably assured of a playoff spot. And then, Hey, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe you'll catch lightning in a bottle. 100%. I think that's, you know, Cardinals fans like us, I think that's been our fear. The minute we first heard this idea of expanded playoffs is like, Oh, so they're going to readjust their, uh, you know, their algorithm. So they're, exactly. they're trying to field a 84, 85 win team every year. Right. Um, as opposed to an 87 win team or whatever, they're, <laughs> right. wherever it's right. calibrated to right now. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Cause I've heard a lot of people talking about this and I've, I, I've even wondered this myself. How would you feel? How, how are we going to feel about the team that wins the world series? Like let's like, so we have a 60, game season like i think if there was like a team that went like 42 and 18 or well that's pretty crazy or 40 and 20 just ran rough shot over the league and then like yeah. also kind of like dominated the playoffs and won the world series i think that would make people be like okay like that's a that's like you know i have no problem recognizing that but that's right. probably not going to happen um you know it could be a team winning 33 games in a regular season or you know a team winning 35 games um how are we going to feel about that? Because at first I was like, like, that's just not a baseball season to me. But I came to a realization today thinking about how annoyed I would be if the Cubs, because that window of contention is closing and they will have really underachieved and not taken advantage of what they had, you know, assuming that it closes before they win another World Series. But if, say, they were to win like 32 or 33 games, sneak into the playoffs um, and win it, I would be so upset. Yeah. I'd be so mad. Um, yeah. more, more upset than I think I was in 2016. Right. And so conversely, if the Cardinals could do that, knowing that's probably how a lot of Cubs fans would feel as well, then I should be all for this. I should be excited about the prospect of the Cardinals being able to win a World Series in a 60-game season. And also... Uh, I can tell you something worse than winning a World Series in a 60-game season, and that's not winning a World Series in a in a 60-game season. So, like, you know, if you're – I remember when uh, – like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but the Giants and the Packers played, like, an NFC championship game at Lambeau, and it was, like, freezing cold, like zero degrees. And I think Tom Coughlin, like the Giants – coach said something to the team like well this sucks this is horrible but we're here so we might as well win you know yeah. so that's how i feel about like this look this isn't ideal but yeah this is what it is we're here win it and the flags fly forever it's still gonna say 12 world series titles next to the cardinals you yeah. know um going forward so yeah i think that i've kind of reversed course and now i'm just like oh no i i will uh i'll fully embrace this if yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think so too. And I mean, I think back to what was it? Was it 81 was the season that they uh, was the strike shortened season where they did the weird split season with the yeah. for, right And the Dodgers, I think won the world series that year. I mean, I, I don't think anyone discounts that, you know, I don't think the Dodgers discount that. I mean, people bring it up sometimes because of, you know, like I know the Cardinals, if they went by just full record for the season um, should have been in that year. Um, I might have the year slightly wrong. It was just a couple years before I was, you know, quite plugged in. But um, no, it was 81. You have it right. Yeah. So 
I, I think, you know, and the other thing too is it's like the idea that like, oh, this doesn't mean as much. It's like these people won a World Series during a global pandemic. Like, you know, <laughs> like that seems a little more difficult than doing it in, you know, say 2007, just, you know, to pick a, pick a year out of thin air. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the winning thing too, I've been thinking about that a lot. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I know like a lot of people point to the fact that if, the if last year if if uh, this the regular season had ended after sixty games the Nationals would not have been in a playoff position so um, you know so that's certainly one anecdotal example that shows that you know sixty games may not kind of sort it out and Eno Saris at the Athletic did a, a really good piece a while back that kind of showed you know where it sort of maybe it starts to even out to show you well who's how many games you need to kind of see well who would win over one hundred sixty two game season. The other thing I was thinking about this, though, is like, well, we're never going to know. You know what I mean? Like the the teams, you know, the teams that make the playoffs are going to be the teams that win, you know, 50, you know, 57 percent, 60 percent or so of their games, just like in a regular season. And right. those teams are going to go to the playoffs. You know, we have no idea what those teams or the ones below them would have done had they played 100 more regular season games. I mean, that's all going to be speculation. Right. So, um you know, you know what I mean. So I think. Yeah, it, no, I I totally agree. And also, yeah, the Nats were what? What was their famous like nineteen and thirty one at one point last year, or or they were, you know, yeah, something like that. But and I'm not discounting that the Nats were got off to a very slow start. They obviously did, but a sixty game. 60 game schedule like this is different from the first 60 games of 162 game schedule because at least at least within the division they're going to be balanced. Yeah. So you can't you can't really at least you can you you're playing the same people is what I'm saying in the same amount of time. So like that there won't be too many excuses other than uh yeah, like who knows if we're just getting going, we if we had played another 100 games, you know, we could have made it, but whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. And the other thing is, everyone knows it's 60 games. I think the better analogy here is we're you know we're 60 games from the end of the season, and everybody just happens to be tied. Everyone's and everyone is 500. Everyone's 500, right? So yeah. it's you know it's going to be like that, but because that'll make a difference too. I mean, over 162 game season, obviously you're you're playing for the full 162 games. So in terms of giving guys time off in terms of how you just do, you know what I mean? Like you're not, um, you're not going hard to win every single game down the stretch. If you're in a close race in September, you really do play a different kind of game. And I think that we're going to see that style played for a quite a bit of what is this season, because everybody's going to be in that position. Right. You know, and yeah. I just che- I just checked the Nationals after sixty games last year were twenty seven and thirty three. So even, you know, okay. even there, I mean, so they were below five hundred, but that's not like terrible. No, um, I, I I feel like it gets overstated sometimes the sixty game thing from people. You know, like it's oh who you know it's chaos. It's like eh, it's not it's not completely chaos. You know, it's so no, it's not a. It, it's not like a playoff series. It's it's not like we're deciding the season on like a best of seven series, which, you know, because people always talk about how arbitrary the playoffs can be. Um, 60 games is still a lot of games. Yeah. And if you go in knowing, look, this is it, we're just playing 60 games. Ideally, that mindset will kind of take over. And for whatever reason, psychologically, um, the teams that are supposed to be better 
and that would be better over a 162 game season would also be better over over this season as well but i guess right. you know that's something we will we will never know uh, another thing i'm not quite sure i know but that might be part of this uh uh weird season is this idea of look they don't want to have long games um and I get that because I'm assuming if they're going to squeeze in 60 games, that means there aren't going to be a ton of off uh, uh, days off to make up a game if they have to. Um, so they want to get games over with. So there's this idea, and, I, and forgive me, but I'm not quite sure totally of the details, but there's this idea of starting in extra innings a runner on second base um, and I'm not sure if this would immediately start in the 10th inning or if it starts after the 12th inning. Uh, I feel silly for not knowing that, but I've seen both so far. Um, but I just want to tell you, like, one, I hate this idea. But two, I, I just, out of curiosity, I went back and looked at the last five Cardinal seasons. Um, so 810 games total. Only 14 of those games, which is 1.7% of those games went more than 12 innings. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't happen yeah. as often as you would think. It, and right. again, that's just the Cardinals, but something tells me that's a pretty stable number across the league. In fact, it might be lower than that because the Cardinals actually in 2015 had five such games, which, which is a lot. Um, right. So I, I just feel like it's one of those things where they're trying to find a solution to something that is rarely a problem. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a classic solution in search of a problem. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't understand this one either. I mean, it's you know it's something you see in like you know youth tournament baseball when you know they're trying to like squeeze in like you know four games or six games on a field in the course of a day, and uh, you know what I mean. They don't want to they don't want to get off schedule or anything, and and so yeah, like it's a way to end a game quickly but uh but yeah it happens so rarely in the major leagues uh it seems it, it does it just it just seems silly um you know i was thinking as well uh even in terms of and again not that something like you know era is like the the most significant stat we're ever going to look at but like how are they even going to attribute some of that kind of stuff you know what i mean like uh you, you know what i mean there's just there's just a lot of weirdness like that and yeah right. i'm I, I, I ain't for it. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, I, that's, a, that's a very good question. Uh, and also, it might not be the solution people think it is um, because you're going to have a lot of teams bunting. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, a runner on third with one out doesn't necessarily score all that often. Um, so you might still see some of these games dragging on past what the uh, powers that be would, would want them to. Um, oh, 100%. And, you know, and I, I mean, I, I've coached some, like, tournament baseball games where you play with these rules, and I feel like it doesn't make a difference there either because both teams start the inning with a runner at second base. Oh, right. It's, so, yeah. like, they, so, so, you know, the visiting team might, you know, base hit that runner scores, but then, you know, the, you, you retire the rest of the side, and then the home team does the same thing. <laughs> You're still playing, you know, so... Um, I mean, if they, you know, if it's one, one, you know, if each team scores a run in that extra inning, you still keep playing. <laughs> so, well, just out of curiosity, I, uh, just tabulated what it's going to take to qualify for a batting title. Uh, how many plate appearances? Um, oh yeah. 186. 
Wow. That's what it's going to yeah. take, uh, assuming, you know, 3.1 plate appearances uh, per scheduled game. So 3.1 times 60 is 186. So it's going to be funny. You know, e- even in 60 games, I don't think we're going to see uh, – because I remember Cody Bellinger last year started off just on a tear. Um, and I yeah. was curious, like, well, you know, what was he looking like after 60 games? Um, and so I actually looked at his first 58 games, you know, assuming he had, you know, a couple of days off. Um and he and he by then was only hitting 374. Um, now he was also uh, slugging 734 and had a 202 WRC plus, so he was he, yeah. he was doing quite well. But I think even in a 60 game season, we're not going to see like uh, you know someone knocking on the door of 400. But but if we do, great that that'll that'll make it all the more exciting. Um, are we gonna in our heads? feel as though like if someone ends a season batting like 390 will it feel like a three uh, normal 390 season of course not but that's okay it's just a it's just one year yeah and i feel like um i feel like at least savvy baseball fans and i think more and more a larger percentage of all baseball fans see everything in context and so you know, yeah, that'll that'll be there, and people will understand that there was a especially unusual context to this season. But you know, you look back at a lot of records, and I, I know um, the uh, uh, the McGuire Sosa documentary was on uh, last week, and I heard you. I, you know, you guys talked about it a little bit on the show last week as well. And I mean, just you know, just using that as an example. Obviously, people look back at the you know Bonds record and the McGuire Sosa year, and they're kind of well, those are tainted because of you know steroids. Well, then you go back to Maris and while Maris was playing in the 162 season and, you know, Ruth only played in 154, you know, well, you know, Babe Ruth only played against like the best white players from like New England and the, you know, like (laughs) he basically like, you know, that you, you know, east of the Mississippi and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, north of the Mason Dixon line, you know, the best white players, that was his pool he was playing against. So, I mean, you know what I mean? There's just always context you can kind of look for. Here's a, a question for you. Uh, so 60 game season over or under 56 starts for Yadier Molina. Oh, that's a good question. So I'm going to have to say under, but just barely, I feel like he's getting like 54, 55 starts. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to play a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know, if it was up to him, he would probably play like 57 or 58 games. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think if it was up to him, he would play 61 or 62. <laughs> right. Uh, that is a very good question, though. And, and that's, um, you know, anytime I think, like, you know, my, my excitement for baseball has been uh, dampened a bit by all this, I just think of people like Yadier Molina and Wainwright who, yeah. who don't have many years left, who, who need these games, who need these years. Um, and I kind of get excited again. So that is a good question, though. Um, I'm gonna because I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under. You, you said yeah. fifty six, right? I'm gonna just yeah, just that's almost fifty six. That's which is a lot, but yeah, um, yeah. I, so all right, all right, yeah. What, what, what do you? Do? Uh, I mean, to me, I, I you know at fifty six, I'd probably have to go under only because of the reality of you know he takes a foul ball off a hand here or there and you know has to sit for a game or two, but. Uh, but I think he's going to take next to zero, just kind of like, you know, rest days. Um, 
and I mean, which we know he doesn't like to take much anyway, but I think it's accepted over 162 games. He needs some of those. And I would imagine he will politic pretty hard that for only 60 games, he does not need those rest days. So, you know, if he, if he happens to, you know, make it through the season without any injuries, I, I could definitely see him going, you know, at or above 56. Do, do we think this will impact the way managers approach, like say a pitcher's uh, pitch count? Um, knowing that, okay, we have uh, Jack Flaherty, who he might be a bad example because apparently he can pitch 150 pitches right. in a game where the Cardinals are up 15 to one and uh, <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, but no, like, so say you have Flaherty on the mound and he's, he's, you know, north of 100 pitches. Right. Does I, I guess it probably doesn't matter too much. I mean, uh, but do we look at something like that differently knowing, you know, they're not going the whole, whole six months here? I think, I think there's the belief, if not all of the research on those kind of individual game stress is consistent enough that they're not going to go above that in an individual game. Cause I think regardless of the length of the season there, you know, the belief is that that's, that's putting them at higher risk. Um, like I mean, Johan Santana type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I guess, and uh, you know, I expect it, it'll probably be like a regular season and that maybe in that first week or two, you're seeing st- starters going somewhat shorter because they're still not maybe quite all the way stretched out. So maybe more like, you know, five to, topping out more like five to six and not as many, you know, getting any longer than that. Not that many pitchers starters pitch that much longer than that now anyway. Uh, I'm a little more interested to see. And, and another thing I haven't quite seen is we know there's going to be these expanded rosters. Um, we know that there, some of them will be there. Sounds like it may not be like a full 40 in the dugout and available, but at least, but somehow expanded. And then there'll also be this like taxi squad kind of situation. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they set the parameters for that. And to what extent, extent, um, you know, that might impact how, you know, how pitchers are used and, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, I expect the Dodgers to, you know, have, you know, 200 pitchers throw <laughs> like, you know, 13 innings this season or something like that. So not to get off off track, but I, I was thinking about this when we were uh, talking about the starting runner on second thing, because Joe Sheehan tweeted out something to the effect of, you know, this is going to give players like Terrence Gore, you know, all 30 teams are going to want a player like Terrence Gore uh, on their team um, for this specific role. And made me think of like a, uh, uh, like some of the old speedsters and uh, like, like Vince Coleman and Will Leach wrote about Vince Coleman today. And he actually uh, linked to an old article you wrote about Vince Coleman at Viva Alberto's. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we talked about this earlier did you have any idea Vince Coleman used to kick, um, used to be a kicker in college for football? No, that was the most exciting thing about that Will Leach article today is that was the first that I learned about that. And, but then even more exciting was when you forwarded me the, the actual video that someone uploaded of Vince Coleman kicking. Yeah, so uh, I feel as though I know a lot about the 80s Cardinals, but this fact that Vince Coleman was a kicker at uh, – Shoot, now I don't even remember. Uh, Florida, Florida A&M. Florida A&M. Yeah, Florida a and I'm um, looking at them right now. They have uniforms that kind of look like the old Browns uniforms. He was a kicker at Florida A&M, which I had no idea. 
And he he kicked a game-winning field goal. I mean, it looks like a pretty good field goal, too. I mean, I think we're talking over 40 yards here. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, against yeah, Miami. Yards. Yeah, against Miami in 1979. I think this is at the uh, the old Orange Bowl. Yeah, I had no idea that that he used to do this. Um, he's an inc- he was an incredible athlete. Uh, I don't even know what else to say. Yeah, well, and he, he he's a he's a straight on kicker too. Uh, it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a dated looking football <laughs> clip there. And I, I believe it said he was a he was a punter and a place kicker as well. Yeah, um, so the straight on kicker thing, I thought when I first saw that clip, I thought he was about to actually punt the ball the way he was standing. Um, and then, like you said, it is a dated clip because he kicks it through the uprights. And the uprights are these old-fashioned um, uprights where there's poles um, at the, you know, coming to the ground from the, from the, uh, from the two uprights. You know what I mean? Instead of the one, yep. the one pole that's mounted in the ground, there's the two of them. Uh, so yeah, this is this is something, but I can't oh, yeah. believe it's, I did not know that. It's old plumbing equipment with like a couple like wrestling mats like duct taped around the two poles in case anybody runs into them. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's something. Uh I'm just I'm watching it. I'm watching it again here. Well, and apparently yeah. his his was it his brother or his cousin was a, a I believe a puncher in the NFL. I think they said brother, but maybe I need to go back and look at that yeah. again. That's another thing I did not know. That's yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. But uh, yeah, Vince Coleman, I tell you. So I uh, that yeah, that article I wrote on him, I think I called it Vince Coleman, the the one tool player. And it was about mm-hmm. how, you know, his speed was like literally the only thing he had going for him. But I didn't know about his place kicking ability. So uh, it's not as useful on the baseball field. But I mean, if, uh, you know, who knows if he played now and they were having a 60 game season and they decided they were going to, you know, decide extra innings with, a you know, a field goal. Uh, <laughs> You know, Vince Coleman is a guy you want on your roster. Remember when Paul O'Neill kicked that ball into the uh, infield yeah. from uh, <laughs> still an amazing thing that he was able to do that. Uh, I mean, he was doing it out of frustration because I think he kept bobbling the ball. I, uh, I feel yeah, like I, mean, I got into a Twitter back and forth with someone on this a couple years ago about that. And was it was it just like an act of rage that like then just, you know, magically manifest in that? Or was there any degree of like skill and precision to it? So... I think it was a little bit of both. Like, I, I think he was definitely angry. But I also think if there, he was one of the few guys who maybe could have pulled that off anyway. I don't know. Because it, it turned out too perfect. I, I To me, it was just pure act of rage. It was like, you know, dad's frustrated fixing the car and he punches the hood and the engine starts. That was kind of what I <laughs> what I saw there. So. Uh, well, anyway, if you want to, if anyone wants to look at this Vince Coleman uh, uh, kicking a field goal, um, it's the Twitter account uh, Chucky T three. Uh, it's on his Twitter account, so so check that out. Um, ben, do you have any more thoughts on the sixty game season? And uh, if so, definitely share them because I would love to keep talking. But if not, um, as always, you've agreed to do the chirp of the week, so we can go ahead and move into that. Yeah, I don't know that I do, although I did actually just see apparently another new breaking thing is apparently Charlie Blackman was among uh, some Rockies to test positive for coronavirus after a workout okay. at Coors Field. So, you know, we get some names coming out. Now, 
if you've seen Charlie Blackman's beard, coronavirus seems like, yeah. you know, the, the least of the things you would expect to potentially catch out of Charlie Blackman. Yeah, I, I think COVID-20 is getting its start in that beard, yeah. actually. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the vaccine may exist in, uh, you know, cells that are already replicating in Charlie Blackman's beard for all we know. So uh, anyway. Well, may- maybe we'll stop. Uh, Cardinals Twitter will stop saying trade for Charlie Blackman now, finally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, well, thanks as always for, you know, inviting me on and, and give me a chance to, to do the trip of the week. And it really uh, lined up pretty well this week um, because uh, I was already taking a look at something that I think I'm going to probably write about for my BB post tomorrow. Um, and that uh, since it, you know, it was looking like we're going to have a 60 game season. I was curious what were some of the best 60 game streaks and worst 60 game streaks in Cardinals history. And mostly I was just looking at this because kind of like we talked about earlier, I was just kind of trying to wrap my head around how significant is, you know, is 60 games. And, you know, does that tell you? And because I I, I wanted to look at it and I thought, well, geez, if I look at the best 60 game streaks, am I going to see, is it going to be all very good teams or are there going to be some, you know, mediocre and bad teams in there that just happen to put together a really good streak. And, you know, same thing at the other end of the spectrum. So uh, anyway, I kind of, I took a look, I compiled these. I, I think I kind of kept it after about 1920, um, uh, just in terms of looking at these years. But the, the best 60 game streaks in Cardinals history, the the best uh, was the 1944 Cardinals went 48 and 11 uh, at one point during the season. Wait, uh, that for, team... For- 49 and 11 or oh i wrote down 48 and 11 that, that doesn't add up does it uh i must have copied that down wrong so um yeah uh <laughs> well, it must, it's, a good, it's a good no it must i think it was probably 49 and 11 so okay, yeah okay. yeah uh so anyway uh but whether it was 48 and 11 or 49 and 11 it was still pretty good pretty impressive and yes pretty impressive um there was a tie in there as well so uh, no um and uh <laughs> And that, so that team went on to win 105 games, won the World Series. Uh, next best streak, uh, and, and I only took one from each year here. I mean, some of these, so the 1944 Cardinals had other 60-game sure. streaks of, you know, pretty you know pretty good as well. Next best, uh, 2004 Cardinals went yeah. 47 and 13 at one point, uh, which, and I know that team was good, but I my gosh, 47 and 13. That we were, truly we, was the best summer ever. Oh my gosh. I mean, I definitely remember watching like stretches of the season. It was just like, they didn't lose. And this kind of, you know, (laughs) validates that. Uh, And again, that team won 105 games and then uh, lost in the world series to a a fraudulent wildcard team, which we discussed earlier. Uh, Next 1942, uh, that team uh, 46 and see, what did I do wrong here? I've got 46 and 13 on here again. All right. Obviously some of my numbers are wrong or who knows if my search Okay, but maybe that was 46 and 14. But uh, that team won 106 games, won the World Series. Next up, 1968, uh, had a stretch of 45 and 15. That team won 97 games, uh, also lost the World Series to the uh, Red Sox. Uh, Or did they lose the – no, they lost the Red Sox. Tigers, Tigers, that's right. They beat the Red Sox in 67. They lost the Tigers. Okay, anyway. Uh, 1943 – 45 and 15, 105 wins, lost the World Series. 1930, 45 and 15, 92 wins, lost the World Series. Uh, 1939, 
um, 43 and gosh, I wrote down 15. What was I doing on this? Uh, anyway, 92 wins that team finished in second place in the, uh, in the old, uh, national league. So, uh, I, you know, obviously all of those teams, extremely good teams. So, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be that good over 60 games, um, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a pretty, a pretty bad team. Now looking for the worst, the worst records, it was a little, the, the way I was using baseball reference for this, the way their search works, it's a, it's a little more difficult to look for the worst teams. The other problem is that there were so many terrible streaks for the Cardinals from the 1880s through the 1920s that that kind of blew up the list. But I did look back at the, the, the two worst teams over the last 50 years um, and those were the 1978 Cardinals and the 1990 Cardinals. And the 1978 Cardinals had a stretch where they went 19 and 41. Um, that team ended up losing 93 games. The 1990 Cardinals had a stretch where they went 23 and 37. Uh, and that team ended up losing 92 games. So um, anyway, you know, I, I looked at, uh, you know, some other things as well. I looked over the the last stretch of years that the uh, the Cardinals have been playoff teams. And, um, you know, they in none of the years that they were in the playoffs did they have uh, any 60-game stretch that was um, more than a couple games under 500. So, um, you know, to me, the, this kind of just reinforced that, you know, 60 games, uh, you know, maybe room for a little bit more flukiness than 162 games, but still the, the very good teams are going to tend to be very good. And the very bad teams are going to tend to be very bad. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I have a, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, one, I wonder if the, the years that didn't add up to 60, because those are all from very, uh, from like back in the 40s or before. I wonder if those were just games that didn't get finished for some reason. That, um, yeah, that, that might be too. more common back then. Um, yeah. And two, it sounds like if the Cardinals can win 45 games this year, again, yeah. assuming the season happens, we are going to go to the World Series. That's all we need. That's all we need is to win 45 out of 60 and... Uh... Yeah, they'll they'll certainly make the playoffs at least at that point. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. Um, yeah, I cut you off. I think a little. Bit. Did you have anything more to say on that? No, no. That I mean, that, you know, that was pretty much it. I guess it's just um, you know, it'll be it'll be a little fluky. It'll be a little weird, but I still think it'll be it'll be a season, and I'm uh, excited for it. Well, yeah, I, I think this could be a lot of fun. If I think it, this is a time where we all just kind of need to be glass half full. Uh, think about. Think about that tear Matt Carpenter went on in 2018 over what that felt like about 60 games um, in what was that July and August or, or whenever it was. Um, yeah. You know, if a player could turn in something like that, wouldn't that be fun to just kind of sit back and watch? So, um, yeah, baseball might you know that's a keyword might be back. That's an awesome awesome thing, um, and we should all just uh, do our best to enjoy it. I agree a hundred percent. Well, man, thank you so much as always for coming on. Um, I really, really appreciate it. You're, you're always a great fill in anytime Tara is out on assignment somewhere. Always a pleasure. Well, I tell you, I I wanted to be talking about baseball with another Cardinals fan tonight, given all the news anyway. So the fact that we're recording this is just kind of a bonus. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Again, you can always find Ben uh, at Viva Alberto's. He writes there on Wednesday. In fact, 
to tell you how good of a guest Ben is, he comes on Tuesday night, even when he has to uh, still write an article for Viva Alberto's the next day. So uh, yeah, props, props on that. Um, and you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Godar. Uh, that's B-E-N-G-O-D-A-R. And uh, my name is Alex. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexCard79. And that's all I got, Ben. Do you have anything? No, that's it. Just uh, always a pleasure being on and uh, go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. Thank you, everyone. Tara will be back next week, and we will talk to you then.